You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Father, we give you all the glory and praise. We thank you that your kingdom knows no end, that you reign, that you rule over the past, the present, and indeed our future. So we entrust ourselves to you now. We trust this, entrust this church, this city, our lives, our families. We entrust everything to you, knowing that you are worthy of all our praise. Move now by your Spirit that we would live for you. We pray this for our good. We pray this for your glory, and we do pray this in the precious name of Jesus, and all of God's people said with one ridiculously loud voice, amen, amen, amen. city on a hill, grab a seat, so good to see you. That clip was fantastic. Can we thank the Lord uh, for Vince, Ben, uh, Linda, and Charlotte sharing their stories, evidences of God's grace? Let's put our hands together and... Thank the Lord for them. And a big shout out to our brothers and sisters who are joining us at 262 Queen Street. Can we make a lot of noise for those guys as well? Love you. Thankful uh, that we could be together. Well, it's a, it's a Thursday afternoon. In fact, it's the first uh, Thursday uh, of spring. And I'm walking by myself across Princess Bridge towards Flinders Street. We are at that moment on the tail end of our extended lockdown, and it feels like the home of a revolution, a revolution that we fought and lost. The city once hailed the most livable in the world is now but a shadow of her former glory. The streets are empty. Uh, The shops and the cafes that we love to visit a a close. The silence from the MCG is deafening. And and it's staggering, isn't it, to think that once restrictions finally eased, uh, we Melbournians spent more time in lockdown than anywhere in the world. And isn't it those images, the images of the long lines to Centrelink, uh, images of red tape around playgrounds, Uh, News reports of uh, calls to to lifeline at a a record high that just remind us of this collective uh, despair and defeat. Walking through the city streets that day, I can't help but wonder, will we ever recover from the depths of these ashes? Will Melbourne ever be the most livable city again? I doubt it, but I'm not without hope, and you are not without hope. The, the impact of this pandemic uh, has been devastating and is likely to be enduring, but it need not be wasted. In fact, in the hand of God, it is possible, it is possible that the defeat 
of the past 18 months might forge for you and me a new and better and brighter future. There's a brilliant insight uh, by Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross. In her book, Death, The Final Stages of Growth, she makes a striking observation. Listen carefully. She says, The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep, loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. The pandemic could leave our city divided. But what if you chose a different way? What if we use this defeat to change us for good? As a disciple of Jesus, I am forever inspired by the many stories in the Bible and indeed throughout history where God enters uh, the dry valleys and brings life. And of course, as a Christian, the most noted of all is indeed the resurrection that we celebrate Of Jesus Christ. Here is God's Son, perfect, pure, holy, righteous, handed over, betrayed, butchered, bloody on a Roman cross. And yet, you who are in Christ know that what man intended for evil, God intended and used for good. And it is the resurrection of Jesus, His power over the grave, which reconciles us now to God and transforms us for His good and glory. I want you to imagine for just a moment a city teeming with men and women who are alive in Jesus. I want you to imagine a city where people are forsaking the old ways of relentless running and selfish living and me-centered priorities to a new way of Christ, abounding in gratitude, walking with courage, humility, and sacrifice. Melbourne may not be the most livable city in the world, but what if we were to become the most beautiful. Early this year, we stepped out in faith to to seek God's heart and vision for this very city. We, We asked God and we asked ourselves, what would it mean for us to take a hold of the gospel in new ways? What would it look like to see this city transformed by the beauty, the truth, and the relevance of Jesus? And what would it take from you and I to grab the message, the truth, the love of Christ and shine like a city on a hill? 
Reimagine has brought together men and women uh, from across this church, gathering together, working together, praying together, unearthing new ideas and a vision for this church. And uh, it's my joy to share all that the Lord has laid on our hearts together. And I want to lay the foundation for this vision in the promises of God that are yours in Christ. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love you to come with me. We're just going to look at a, a few verses in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, Paul says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So as we cast our eyes to the horizon ahead, it's crucial that we take a moment now to anchor ourselves in the identity that we have in Jesus and to think about all that we have in Jesus. And it's important to do that because I think for the past 18 months, it's been very easy for us to look at what we don't have. We can reflect on the loss of plans or the the loss of travel or the loss of opportunity. Really easy to spend our days thinking about what we don't have instead of taking a moment to consider what it is that you do have. Paul says you've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual Blessing, And I want you to just to underscore, if you've got a written Bible there on your iPhone there, just to underscore the word every. Because it highlights the extravagance of God and His goodness that He's bestowed upon you who are in Jesus. God has not withheld anything from you. God did not keep His best wine and give you the cheap wine. God has blessed you with, what's that word? Every spiritual blessing. And please note, Paul doesn't say he will bless you. He says, God has blessed us in Christ Jesus. Right? That the, the full and abundant blessing of God is not waiting in some uh, super fund in heaven. Right now, now, heaven's going to be amazing. Right now we see in part, then we see in glory. You can sleep until 11, glorified eggs, Benedict. It's just going to be amazing, right? Right? But the blessing of God is not just for there, it's for here, now. Nor is it waiting on the other side of your religious perfection, your performance. God's not holding out and saying, I'll just wait to see how she goes with this. No, if you are entrusting Jesus today, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, in Jesus, you're blessed. <laughs> Too casual. <laughs> right? Now, we find that uncomfortable to say. And I think in part, it's probably because we're just like laid back Aussies, but... <laughs> In part, because over the years, we've heard this word blessed be cheapened into something almost like worldly. You know, anyone who's having a great day on Instagram, hashtag blessed. 
right? Like when I, when I used to travel for work, um, you know, it's going to a hotel and I get peace and quiet and put on the TV and they've got like all the channels. I'm like, awesome. And I like stupidly go to the Christian channel. And up comes some preacher with a shiny leather jacket and shiny white teeth telling me that, you know, that God wants to bless me. And if I just hand over my credit card, God's going to bless me uh, with, I don't know, a brand new boat and a perfect wife and a perfect career. Like whatever I've got at my dream board at home, if I just have faith and three payments of $69, God's going to bless me. And some Christians lap that up. I just want to grab the remote and jam it into my eye. Was Jesus blessed? Yes. He lived the abundant life. He came that you would have the abundant, blessed life. And yet when he speaks about the blessed life, it has almost nothing to do with worldly health and prosperity and popularity and everything to do with the riches of God of knowing God, of treasuring God. Look at how Paul uh, uh, unpacks this uh, in the, in the uh, verse 5. He says, In love, God predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Now, there's an entire sermon series just waiting for that one verse. So much glory there. But what's worth noting here is that when Paul unpacks for you what it means to be in the blessing of God, the first thing he unpacks is the adoption that you now have in Jesus. Right? In love, God stretched out his hand into a world of brokenness and sin and your depravity and self-righteousness. Right? He, he stretched out his hands, not according to your will or my will, according to his will. He looked through the corridor of time and he stretched out his hand and he elected you to be in his arms. To be called a son. To be called a daughter. To be the full inheritor of his lavish love. And what does that mean? Paul goes on. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Paul is almost tripping over himself to tell you this good news. Right? He's a former murderer. And he wants you to know in Jesus of this forgiveness. And it's just so practical and relevant. I was reading a... Um, uh, a story uh, just this week about a, um, a bartender in Wangaratta who found a bit of a glitch in his local uh, ATM. He went to withdraw some money and he discovered that he could withdraw more from the ATM than he actually had in his bank account. He found a loophole. <laughs> and he went back again and again and again. And after five months, how much did this Aussie bartender from Wangaratta spend? 1,000, 2,000, no, $1.6 million. Parties and drink and stretched hummers. What is completely unsurprising about this story is that eventually it, the cops found out. 
right? Turns out uh, free money isn't free. One six million dollars is one six million debt. And, and it's, it, I mean, the link here is obvious, but it occurs to me that so many Aussies, so many of us have just, like, we, we live with a similar mindset when it comes to God. Right, we, 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 we enter God's creation, like, oh, I made it for you. It's, you enter God's world of paradise, and we just completely ignore Him. We think we've made some kind of like loophole in the system where we can just rack up what the Bible calls spiritual debt. You're out there sleeping around, fooling around, getting drunk, uh, apathy in your prayer life, self-righteous, distant to God, watching porn, like whatever, just racking up spiritual debt. And we think we can do that without an awareness that we're made for God, that God knows us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Outside of Christ, you're a child of wrath, an enemy of God. And yet here is the gospel. Here is Paul, who's been changed, telling you the blood of Jesus has been poured out. Jesus is your substitute, your sacrifice. That whatever was owing against you has now been cleared. You don't get condemnation anymore. You don't get judgment anymore. You don't get death. You don't get hell. You get forgiveness. And then think this through a little deeper. What is the goal of forgiveness? I think about my own life and my own marriage. I'm married to Vanessa, who you would have seen on the screen. We've been married nearly 20 years now. And on the very rare occasion that we have a tiff, um, and it's incredibly rare, uh, like that rare that, I don't know, I've left the towel on the bathroom floor or rare that I forgot to put the bins out or rare that I left the gate open. On the very rare occasion that our marriage doesn't quite match the perfection of our Instagram account, there's that moment where you, you have to cross the floor and say, I'm sorry, I'm the moron who forgot to put the bins out again. Now, why do we do that? Why do we cross the floor? Because it's never comfortable to cross the floor. Why do we do that? It's not just to hear the words, understand you're forgiven. That's part of it. What do we really want? The hug. <laughs> we want the embrace. We want all that was separating us taken out and we can be one. God's desire, God's passion in sending Jesus, wasn't just to clear your debt, it was to clear your debt so that he could embrace you, so that you would know him. The greatest joy and glory there is. I love this quote by Jonathan Edwards, if we can bring this up. God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. The enjoyment of him is our proper and is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Better than fathers and mothers, husbands, wives or children or the company of any or all earthly friends. 
These are but shadows, but the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. How good is the gospel? How great it is that God did not turn his back on you. But in love, he called you according to his purpose to himself. This changes people. It changes you. We heard some of the stories today. It changes us. The gospel unearths within us a humility and a courage in life, a patience, a faith, a hope. Instead of living in fear, instead of living for the approval of others, instead of being tethered to the spirit of this age, we can rest in the greatness and glory of God. We can find our meaning in Him, our purpose. We can live for something significant. Um, watching that uh, movie, movie, video, <laughs> almost a movie length, uh, <laughs> Watching that video early, uh, earlier was, you know, it, it just took me back <laughs> many, many years ago. And I don't know if you realize, but they shot that little clip um, uh, in Docklands, uh, right out the front of where James Squire Brewhouse used to be. And just reflecting on all the Lord has done, I'm just like, God has been faithful. You know, we saw communities, relationships formed, we've seen Uh, new ministries started. We've seen new churches planted. It's incredible to think that by God's grace, there's churches now across Melbourne and Geelong, Surf Coast, Gold Coast, Brisbane, uh, Wollongong, more on the horizon. And all of our churches represent people who love Jesus and are being changed by Jesus. You know, by His grace alone, we've seen hundreds of people go from death to life. Praise God. And today, you know, it's, it's good and right, isn't it, to think back on all the Lord has done. But I hope you know that the story is far from over. You know, as I shared in the, in the clip, in, in many ways, it feels like we're just getting started. It's just the beginning. There's a great uh, research paper, paper that's just come out by McCrindle Research. And, you know, he begins by just identifying the obvious, obvious fact that, you know, that faith and, uh, you know, religious attendance has, has dropped uh, across the nation of Australia. But uh, faith and spirituality continue to be a key part of Australia's identity. According uh, to the study, our experience of COVID-19 created a new context where many Australians are now experiencing a renewed spiritual search. He points out that more than half of regular churchgoers have now taken on greater responsibility for their spiritual growth. Almost two in five believe the pandemic has made them more active in ministry and Christians are reading their Bible and praying more than they did before. And it's not just those who are in the church. During the pandemic, 
almost half of all Australians have thought more about the meaning of life. A third of Australians have thought more about God, and three in ten have started to pray. What does that tell you? It tells us that God is on the move, and we have a job to get done. Right? So, early this year, we step out in faith. Lord, how might we live for you? How might we shine? How might we take the the blessings that are ours in Christ to strengthen God's people and to see His good news go forth? I want to thank the the, the team, the the staff team of Melbourne in particular. I want to thank Steph, Wes, Alice, Ian, and Dave Chiswell, who were part of our Reimagined Vision and Strategy team. Let's give them a bit of love. They did a mountain of work uh, through this year, behind the scenes. Uh, We've had working groups, focus groups, gospel communities, review groups, men and women from our church coming together to pray, to think, to dream, to unearth new ideas. Do you know how many ideas were put forward? 170. 170. And we're going to go through all of them today. Uh, I praise God for the 170 ideas because it says to me and our team that this is a church that, that is invested, that believes in the urgency of the gospel and is keen to, to discover new ways to see the gospel go forward. And I should also say that a bunch of those ideas have already been taken on board and we're always keen to learn. We want to be a humble church, uh, always willing to, to repent and, and to learn how we can honor God. So we've taken a bunch of that on board. But when we kind of brought all of those ideas and the themes of those ideas together, uh, brought it to God, brought it to one another, talked it through, uh, we landed with five initiatives, five key areas that we believe we can grow and invest in as a church to help the gospel go forward. So you ready for these five? All right, first, and this, I don't know, this could be a clap moment. I'm just suggesting maybe, right? First, in 2022, we're going to establish for the very first time our very own discipleship program. Yeah, come on. Right, so Jesus came to make disciples and he calls us to do the same. He wants us to not just know Jesus intellectually, but to know Him and to become more and more like Him. And as we're following Jesus and seeking to live the way of Jesus, our call is to bring other people along on that same journey. Right Now, much of what we do at City on a Hill is discipleship. And yet alongside our Sunday gatherings and our gospel communities, we see an opportunity to establish a personal and intentional program that will help us all grow in the the fruit of God and our faithfulness to Him. We're calling this program The Greenhouse, uh, and we're hoping to pilot The Greenhouse early next year. Lord willing, this will be a one-year program designed specifically to help you and me go deeper. We want to engage the mind with the truths of Scripture. We want to encounter the affections of the heart as our love for God matures and grows. We we want to engage our hands and get very practical with our faith, and we want to step outside of our comfort zone and experience 
the way of Christ together. Dave Chiswell, who you know and love, is running point on the program. And our hope and prayer is that by 2024, at least 200 men and women would have participated in the Greenhouse program and will be flying and flourishing in their faith. And I'm pleased to announce that we've also begun a search for a discipleship director to help drive our discipleship even further. You'll be able to read more about the Greenhouse in the booklet you received We're going to give you updates in the coming weeks and give you more detail early next year. And we want to encourage you guys to enroll, to be part of it, and to express your interest. Big, big moment for us in that. Second, this also could be a clap moment. Number two, we're going to strengthen and expand our ministry and mission to Melbourne's homeless and disadvantaged. So you may know that in Melbourne, approximately 1 in 10 people are living at the poverty rate. At the last census, almost 25,000 men and women indicated they were homeless, which was an increase of 14% on the previous report. Of all Victorians who are homeless, 42% are due to domestic violence, 39% due to financial hardship. Now, in 2009, uh, we launched uh, Many Rooms, and praise God for uh, the various men and women who've served as volunteers across the years. Uh, We've got a a Saturday, we've had a Saturday kitchen in North Melbourne, a Friday night kitchen in the city, serving meals, providing friendship and support to the homeless. Uh, We've done care pack initiatives. Uh, We recently established a, a living room which pairs volunteers in our church with uh, elderly who are isolated and and vulnerable. And we praise the Lord for all of those opportunities we've had. But the story is not yet finished, right? The vision for many rooms has always been to have many rooms, many initiatives, many programs, many spaces, many ideas to engage and bless the many people in our city who are made for the light and love of Jesus. And so over the next three years, our hope is to double our uh, mercy ministry and see the light of Christ shine brighter than ever before. We see opportunity to expand our existing ministries while also pioneering new and innovative ones. We want to hear from you. What ways might we pair our resources, our experience, our resources, our knowledge to make a difference? This might mean starting a new room that serves new needs in new and creative ways. This might include launching a many rooms chapel, a gospel-centered service for the homeless in our city. This might mean establishing new partnerships uh, with new organizations to help us drive and go forward. The key here is that we want to bridge the acts of mercy with the mission of Christ. We want people to know that no matter where they are, how much they earn, where they live, there is good news of great joy for all people. And between you and me, longer term, we have a dream and a prayer for a permanent space in the heart of this city that is open throughout the week, housing many rooms of gospel-centered care, hope, and love. Right now, our first step is to find and appoint a mercy director who will work with this church and help develop a three-year detailed plan. That could be you. Shall we move to number three? We alive? Awesome. This could be a clap moment as well. I don't know. Number three. 
We want to strengthen and expand our ministry and mission to youth and university students. All right, so by show of hands, who became a Christian before their 18th birthday? All right, now just stop, have a look around, keep those hands raised, have a look around. Amazing, right? So statistically, two out of three Christians become Christians before their 18th birthday. What does that tell us? It tells us that at City on a Hill, we have to be committed to reaching and encouraging and engaging the next generation, right? The question is not if young people are being discipled in this world. The question is, who is discipling them? Are they being discipled by the world or are they being discipled by Jesus? Now, we've always been a church uh, committed to investing in young people. We have volunteers in this church. We have a core group of young people. We praise God for that. But as we look to the horizon ahead, we want to double down on this moment. And as we seek to strengthen our ministry to youth, we also want to commence new work with students. Right? So not only is the, uh, is the transition from year 12 to university a big step, it's crucial when it comes to a person's faith and worldview. We want to help students grow in their gospel identity. We want to help connect them with other Christians in a similar industry, in a similar context, to, to journey together in the way of Christ and to discover what it means to be a disciple in this world. And as they're growing, we want to see more and more students coming to know the beauty, truth, and relevance of Jesus, recognizing that the next generation of teachers, artists, accountants, doctors, business leaders, pastors, would be filled with the light and love of Christ. Number four, and you can definitely make a lot of noise for this one, we want to strengthen our digital arm. So about seven years ago, I walk into the local pizza joint, and I noticed that, you know, sitting to the side was one of those retro games called Frogger. Who remembers Frogger? All right, right? It's one of those 2D graphic games, right? Joystick, right? Takes you back to acid watch jeans and cassette mixtapes, right? It's like, so I'm looking at this in this moment of like 1980s nostalgia, when my youngest son at the time, I, like I think he's like three or four, like bounds past me towards this game of uh, Frogger and starts swiping the screen. It's like, nothing's happening. I'm like, what is my mo- Why is he swiping the screen? Of course, it dawns on me that he has only ever known a world of touchscreen technology. I think I had my first midlife crisis in that very moment. Right? The, the, the world is constantly moving and changing, and the, the age that we're in is so dynamic, isn't it? And we at City on a Hill have, have never wanted to be a slave to our culture. We're a slave to Christ. We worship Him. Uh, the, the Bible never changes. But we've always wanted to communicate the timeless truths of the Bible in timely ways. We've always wanted to be a people who've looked around to see how could we leverage this moment and the resources we have for the kingdom, right? So you think to the Apostle Paul, he used pen and paper and some rickety ships to get the gospel out. You then fast forward to the Reformation and you see that good gospel-minded people leverage the printing press so they could get 
the Bible into the hands of the people. And then you fast forward to great evangelists like Billy Graham. And you see that in just packed stadiums, he leveraged radio and television to help the gospel go forward. And then you think about what happened in our world in the 90s, with the internet just transforming this world that we're in, right? At that time, there was like 700 websites, 700 that were just accessible to a few universities and research centers. The wall came down. Today, 1.7 billion websites exist, with half a million created every single day. In all this, the gospel doesn't change, but how we reach and engage our world has. Al Mola says this, While we are right to prioritize real face-to-face conversations and to find comfort and grounding in stable authorities like the printed book, the digital world is itself a real world, just real in a different way. Real communication is happening in the digital world, on the web and on the smartphone, in your pocket. Real information is being shared and globally disseminated faster than ever before. Real conversations are taking place through voice, words and images, connecting people and conversations all over the world. If the leader is not leading in the digital world, his leadership is, by definition, limited to those who also ignore or neglect that world. And that population is shrinking every minute the clock is ticking. So over the next three years, City on a Hill is going to seek to invest in and establish four digital pillars in which City on a Hill Melbourne is going to play a pioneering role. We want to develop our online service, uh, transitioning from the pre-record format that we use now to live program broadcasts from here in Melbourne. The goal being not to replace the significance of this moment, and being together, but to serve people who can't be here, and to serve as a front door for people exploring Jesus. In addition to this, we want to invest in our midweek online ministry, right? Uh, How many of you knew that we had Alpha running online this year, right? Yeah, praise God, people near and far exploring Jesus for the very first time. Some people, while we were all in lockdown, gave their life to Jesus, right? Through that engagement, through that connection. You just think, wow, what a world that we live in. We can get to countries and people we never could have got to before. Why would we not use the technology and leverage this moment for good? We have an opportunity to grow in that space and discover new things. And we want to do that to help not just the gospel to go out, but for us to go deeper. Fifth, final one, definitely a clap moment for this. (laughs) We want to ignite a culture and community of prayer. So when God uh, called me to plant a church and we were like a small group, uh, I was like in over my head. And you've got a kind of sense of that from that that video, a lot of insecurity uh, and doubt. Um, I never led a church before, never planted a church before. We had little resources, few people, uh, like there's a lot of things. (laughs) And, and yet I remember a great guy, a pastor friend, who came alongside me and said, Guy, the best thing you can do is pray. The best thing you can do is call other people to pray. And that's what we did. We started asking anyone and everyone to join in praying that God would open the door for the gospel. Because look, if we, if we, if we don't have God, we have nothing. 
doesn't matter how many resources you have, how much experience you have, you have nothing. But if you have God, you have everything, everything. And so this is so important for where we are at this very moment because you've heard we've got big dreams, many ideas, great goal. There's lots of gospel ambition in this church, which is amazing. But unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers will build in vain. We need to be a praying church. And there's some challenge here for us personally. We need to be a praying church. You know, I was talking to um, uh, Peter Adam, um, who's, you know, something of a spiritual mentor and, you know, talking to him about prayer and how might we grow and, like, do you see this in other places? And, and, and he's talking to me <laughs> when he was a principal at Ridley College and he said, well, there was this time some, uh, some of my Sudanese uh, students uh, they went to visit a, an Anglican church, and the Anglican church was butted up against other, like, residential homes. And the students were curious about this, and they asked Peter, they said, um, do the neighbors complain from the all-night prayer meetings? <laughs> so, which, of course, Peter had to explain, there are no all-night prayer meetings, and they're highly unlikely to awaken anyone. <laughs> right? And, and, and I get that, you know, culturally, different cultures, we, we, we express ourselves differently, don't we? But fundamental to our call as God's people is to live in relationship with Him, dependence upon Him. Lean not on your own understanding. Read the Bible and what do you see? You see a God who uses, ordains the prayers of His people to bring about change, to bring about transformation. We, we need to repent of our unbelief. We need to prayer of our self-dependence. We need to repent of not looking to God at every hour, with every need, trusting that He is powerful to save. And so in the coming three years, we, we're going to stoke that fire. We're going to work out together how we might be a people who are just known for prayer known for a God-centered life. I want to be part of a church that is satisfied in God and hungry for more. God loves you. In love, He has predestined you to know and embrace the full blessings that are yours in Jesus. And this life that we have is oh so short in light of eternity. Every moment we have, crucial. Every day, opportunity. Every person made in the image of God with eternity written on their hearts that God loves. Let's take a hold of the gospel. Let's take hold of this moment and who we are. Let's be that city on a hill that shines. We have each other and we have God, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's go to Him now in prayer, committing ourselves and this vision. Let's stand. Father, we are desperate for you. 
We know that everything that we've talked about today is nothing without Christ. So give us Jesus. Give us Jesus in all His glory. Give us His love. Give us His power. Give us His humility, His courage. Give us His creativity, His urgency. Give us His fire that we'd be lit with the glory of God. Oh, that we long to be a people set apart for you. Oh, that we long to see this city transformed. I long, Lord, and pray right now that you bring revival to Melbourne. I long to see, and we pray to see, thousands upon thousands of men and women in this city, young and old, rich and poor, coming to know Jesus in all his glory. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you equip us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.